You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Welcome to this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. And as usual, I'd like to start with a shout out to all of our new listeners. And this week we have new listeners in London, Portsmouth, Cardiff, Guildford, Birmingham, Manchester, Southampton, Swansea, Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Nottingham, Northampton and Leeds. We also have new listeners in Dublin, in Ireland, in Lille, in France, in Madrid and Barcelona, in Spain, in Lisbon, in Portugal, in Luxembourg, in Brussels, in Belgium, in Rotterdam and Amsterdam in the Netherlands, in Dusseldorf, Frankfurt, Hamburg in Germany, in Copenhagen in Denmark, in Malopolsky in Poland, in Harjuma in Estonia, in Stockholm in Sweden, in Zurich and Valais in Switzerland, in Turin and Rome in Italy, in Zagreb in Croatia, in Serbia, in Izmir in Turkey, in Kampala, Uganda, Tamil Nadu in India, Beijing in China, Tokyo in Japan, Perth in Australia, and Sao Paulo and Brasilia in Brazil, and then also in British Columbia and Quebec in Canada. And then moving to the US, we have new listeners this week in San Francisco, Orlando, Washington DC, New York, Boston, Dallas, Austin, Denver, Rochester, Seattle, Chicago, San Diego, Pittsburgh, Minneapolis, Cleveland, Memphis, Baltimore, Pasco, Philadelphia, Cincinnati and Jacksonville. So a warm welcome to all our new listeners and it was, as always nice to see new listeners from all around the world. And of course a shout out to all my regular listeners and I do really appreciate you all taking half an hour of your week to listen to the show and catch up on the latest news in the world of GDPR. And I hope that you find the programme useful and informative and entertaining. And if you have any feedback on the show, as always, please do drop me a line at podcast at insurety.co.uk. That's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y.co.uk. Podcast at Send me a message. Um, I do read all of the messages, whether they are positive, negative, or in between. Um, and I do welcome any messages in particular that suggest either ideas for articles for future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show, or indeed people you'd like me to interview. And we have a couple of interviews coming up in the next few weeks. Um, so I look forward to those. So in a few moments, I'll be telling you what's coming up in this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. So coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have an update on the data breach at Marriott Hotels. And within that, a look at the value of making sure that you have GDPR cover within your business insurance. We then have what I hope you'll find a really interesting article about GDPR adoption around the world. We then look at what we can learn from a report on data breaches in the US medical systems in 2019 and any patterns that we can see there and I say what we can all learn 
from those. We then have a report on the Ricoh Theta 360 data breach. And finally for this week, a rather embarrassing story for the Dutch ICO, which perhaps should be labelled how not to do things. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Regular listeners to the GDPR Weekly Show will have heard us talk several times about the massive data breach which affected Marriott Hotels. Um, For those who don't know, it was originally thought that as many as 500 million customer records uh, may have been hacked. Now that full details have been released and Marriott have conducted a number of um, studies into the causes of of the data breach and also what they need to do to fix it, um, the overall total has come down from 500 million to 383 million but still makes it by far one of the largest data breaches that's to date anyway been recorded in the world. Um, It's worth remembering that compromised information included customer names, phone numbers, email addresses, passport numbers, date of birth, credit card numbers and credit card expiry dates. Um, Marriott in return offered guest compensation and also offered them free membership to WebWatcher, a personal information monitoring service. But Marriott perhaps has also indicated the value of having good insurance against uh, the effects of GDPR because their latest accounts show that to date, since the data breach, the hackers cost Marriott Hotels somewhere in the region of $72 million, with $44 million of those coming in the first quarter of this year. But against that, it's collected $71 million in insurance reimbursements. So it's actual cost is only just somewhere around about a million dollars. Still a substantial amount of money, but nowhere near as much as perhaps was originally thought. So I say it perhaps just indicates the value of having good um, cover for GDPR within your business insurance. And it's worth checking if you haven't already, whether your current insurer will cover you for GDPR incidents if they will, how much it will increase your premium. And obviously from the Marriott case is an exception, but even so, perhaps it takes to all of us with businesses or organisations that it may well be worth paying a little extra on our premiums to ensure that should we suffer a data breach, then at least the insurance will cover the bulk of the financial costs involved. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Redgate issued some interesting analysis this week on how differing legislations around the world are now moving towards adopting either GDPR itself or 
certainly a GDPR variant which is close enough to GDPR to be effectively the same. It may have a few local variations, but essentially all the core elements of GDPR are included. Now, if we go back a year to the end of May 2018, when GDPR first came in, it's fair to say that the only countries, really, which had GDPR or an equivalent were um, all of the countries within the EU and the countries within the EEA, so adding in countries such as um, Norway and Iceland. And outside of that, apart from a few oddities because they were dependencies of things like the Canary Islands and French Guiana in South America, the rest of the world just wasn't GDPR compliant. Now, of course, we know that in the US, a number of states have been moving towards GDPR compliance, and I'll come back to that in a moment. But what was interesting to come out from the Red Gate study was how GDPR equivalents have started to appear now in other parts of the world. And we think this is largely because A, GDPR is recognised now as being a good standard, but B, because these countries want to deal with the EU and the UK, but the UK is in or outside the EU. And they recognise that to do that now and to share data effectively and not have to have lots of legal clauses and lots of problems and lots of, you know, suspicion really of is their data being held as security as it would be in the UK or in the EU. Countries are moving to adopt legislation which, as I say, is 99% based on GDPR. And so if we look at the map, now, the, the, the map for today, in terms of which countries now have uh, these laws that, as I say, are, you know, GDPR compliant or certainly moving well along the path to being there, we get some interesting countries because, I'm just going to go around in order really, we get the ex-Yugoslavian countries of Serbia and Bosnia and Herzegovina, but we also get some of the other Eastern European countries, including Ukraine and Moldova. And then moving into the Middle East, we've also got Israel, which has long been pretty well GDPR compliant in, in much of what it's doing. But also some other interesting countries that might not first appear, because one of which is Egypt and Iran and parts of the United Arab Emirates. And then we also get Pakistan, Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan, together with India itself and Bangladesh. China is also moving towards rules which are very similar to GDPR, as are some other of the uh, Asian countries, including uh, Thailand, Lagos and Vietnam and Indonesia and New Zealand. One of the other countries which was quite an early adopter of GDPR compliant uh, data standards was South Africa and also in Africa we have uh, similar standards being adopted in Togo and in Guinea-Bissau and then we also have some other South American countries also developing GDPR compliant standards including Brazil and Argentina and Ecuador and also the Central American countries of Honduras, Panama 
and Mexico and of course also in Canada. So now as you probably see quite a picture of countries around the world which are now adopting GDPR compliant legislation and all of these are planning to have GDPR or an equivalent in place either later in 2019 or in the first quarter of 2020. We shouldn't also forget the Caribbean islands of Jamaica and Puerto Rico which are also looking to bring in GDPR compliant standards. In the US itself states that we know are looking to adopt GDPR or equivalent are of course California which is well down the path of adopting its legislation and indeed the new California Consumer Privacy Act becomes effective on January the 1st 2020 and other states are following California's example uh, including Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Dakota, Rhode Island and Texas. So we've got all these countries now and states in the US looking to adopt GDPR standards but even where things aren't advanced enough to adopt GDPR and they've still got some way to go in terms of data standards and data protection. It's interesting to note that even countries like Nigeria and Kenya which might perhaps traditionally have been seen as a bit um, seen as a bit unregulated as far as data protection goes even those countries now are looking to see what data privacy laws they can introduce and in the case of Nigeria it will mean introducing a data privacy law for the first time. So I hope that gives you encouragement that for those companies and organisations who've invested heavily in GDPR that it's not just a case of being good practice here in the UK or in Europe but actually puts you on good standing for dealing with more and more countries around the world. And of course it works the other way too, in that a number of these countries, I'm thinking particularly of India, where quite a number of companies outsource their data processing too, is obviously going to become a much smoother and easier process for all involved once India has signed up to their equivalent of GDPR. So it looks like quite an exciting year ahead in terms of GDPR and its adoption around the world and we'll look to keep you updated on countries adoption and actual dates for implementation as we move through the year in future editions of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host Keith Budden. Some interesting figures were published in the USA this week about the number of data breaches that hospitals and health providers there have suffered just in 2019. And I'm just going to go through them because there are some patterns which are worth picking up on and indeed may have an effect on data security on this side of the pond. Uh, so let's go through them they're not in any particular order some personal information from the University of Chicago Medicine patients and donors was mistakenly exposed on June the 3rd cancer treatment centers of America learned that an email account of an employee at its Atlanta based southeastern 
Regional Medical Centre was the target of a phishing attack that may have exposed 16,819 patients. Columbus Community Hospital notified patients on May the 24th that a phishing attack at one of its vendors may have exposed their data. Centennial Colorado-based Centura Health notified 7,515 patients last week that their information may have been exposed due to a phishing attack. Cincinnati-based TriHealth alerted 2,433 patients that their data may have been shared with a student in June. Philadelphia-based Penn Medicine alerted around 900 patients that their information may have been improperly viewed by a former medical assistant at the hospital. An employee at Toledo, Ohio-based ProMedica stole patient data between April 2017 and March 2019, and that's currently being investigated by the FBI. A phishing attack on an employee's email account at Oregon State Hospital may have exposed patients' protected health information. Houston-based Memorial Hermann Health System has notified more than 600 patients that their financial information may have been exposed. St. Joseph, Michigan-based Spectrum Health Lakeland had notified 1,100 patients about a data breach at its billing services provider that may have put patients' personal information at risk. Bangor, Maine-based Northern Light Acadia Hospital mistakenly emailed the names of 300 patients who had prescriptions for Suboxone, a medication used to treat opioid use disorder. Columbia, South Carolina-based Palmetto House, now known as Prisma House, was targeted in a phishing attack that may have put the information of 23,000 patients at risk. Springfield, Massachusetts-based Bay State House notified about 12,000 patients of a February the 7th phishing attack. Georgia-based Navicent House alerted patients of a cyber attack last July that may have affected patients' personal information. A security breach at Greenville, South Carolina-based St. Francis Physician Services Medical Center may have compromised data of more than 32,000 patients. Concord, Massachusetts-based Emerson Hospital sent letters to 6,314 patients, alerting them of a May 2018 cybersecurity attack that may have affected their information. A ransomware attack on a Grand Haven, Michigan-based North Ottawa Community Health Systems vendor may have compromised data for an estimated 15,000 patients. Box Elder-based Rocky Boy Health Centre posted a security breach notice on its website alerting patients of a January the 14th incident that may have put medical records at risk. Farmington-based University of Connecticut Health sent letters up to up to 326,000 patients, notifying them of a recent data security incident. Rutland Regional Medical Centre said it plans to mail letters to an undisclosed number of affected patients, notifying them of a recent data breach. Seattle-based UW, UW Medicine sent letters to 974,000 patients, notifying them of a data breach that had allowed patient information to come up in internet searches. Memorial Hospital at Gulfport, Missouri, sent letters to roughly 30,000 patients about a data breach on the 15th of February. Chicago-based Rush University Medical Center inadvertently exposed the names of 908 patients 
in a paper mailing announcing the retirement of a certified nurse practitioner at its epilepsy centre. Blue Earth, Minnesota-based United Hospital District notified 2,143 patients about a June 2018 phishing attack. Springs, Florida-based Advent House alerted 42,161 patients about a data breach that may have exposed personal information. Pawnee City, Nebraska-based Pawnee County Memorial Hospital notified 7,175 patients that some of their health information may have been exposed when a hospital employee was tricked by a phishing email in November 2018. And Verity House System, a six-hospital company based in Redwood City, California, notified an undisclosed number of individuals to a potential exposure of their protected health information stemming from three individual data breaches. So, quite a number of data breaches there, but of course, you know, the US health system is huge, so it's perhaps not surprising that they've had that number of data breaches. But the one thing that leapt out to me was the number of data breaches which have been caused by a phishing attack. Now, in case you're not aware, a phishing attack in this case doesn't mean somebody coming along with a phishing rod and a bit of bait. It's instead when you get an email pretending to be from another organisation when in fact it isn't. And it is really important that you teach all of your staff to be really on the lookout for phishing emails. And if they're not certain that an email is genuine, then they simply shouldn't reply to it. If it is genuine, chances are that they get a reminder and it will be chased up again. But there are certain things which can make you realise that maybe an email is not quite what it's set out to be. Because if you go to click on reply to and the email address just looks like a random collection of letters and numbers, or it's not to the domain that you would expect to be associated with that company or that organisation, it's almost certainly a phishing email and you should most definitely not respond to it. And also remember that certainly in the UK, and I think across the rest of Europe too, I can't speak for the rest of the world, a bank will never ask you for your PIN number in an email. They will never ask you to transfer money from one account to another because there's been a supposed cyber attack at their bank. Because believe me, if there was a cyber attack of that size at a bank, you'd hear about it on the radio or on TV long before you got an email. So just be cautious. Train your staff to be cautious. And if you'd like me to cover more detail on phishing emails in a later edition of the GDPR Weekly Show, please just drop me a line to podcast at insurety.co.uk and let me know. Check us out on Facebook. We are getting an increasing number of our customers now already contacting us to arrange an audit as now it's coming up to towards a year from when GDPR came in and they want to make sure that they're operating as they should be and we'd like to offer this service out to all of you all of our listeners uh, so if you'd like us to perform an audit on your gdpr uh, operations and make sure that you are recording everything you need to be that you have all the necessary procedures in place and that you know how to action those procedures 
please do get in touch with us via podcasts at insurability.co.uk. That's podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at insurity, E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y dot co.uk. Please make the subject of your email GDPR audit and we'll get the relevant person to contact you. Um, we're able to carry out audits either on-site or remotely and for a pleasantly low cost. Um, I'm sure you'll be pleasantly surprised with the figure we're able to provide you with for providing the audit. I can't give a global figure here because it does affect, it does depend on how many employees, how many customers, how many records, etc. you have. Um, but please do get in contact with us. It's totally without obligation. But do get in contact with us to arrange an audit because uh, if you do want the audit done around May or June of this year to be annual from when GDPR came in, we are rapidly filling our diaries for that period. So uh, don't delay. Do get in touch. Do it this week. And we'll be pleased to provide you with a quote. And for the first five of you to contact us to request a, a data audit, a data breach audit, I'm pleased to be able to say that we will provide that to you for 50% of our normal fee. But that's only for the first five of you to contact us as a result of this podcast. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Photo sharing app Theta 360, which is a app produced and managed by Rico, experienced a huge data breach uh, in May, and the breach was found by some hacktivists from a group called VPN Mentor. The leak exposed at least 11 million public and private photographs. The data breach exposed thousands of users' photos, many of whom chose to keep their images private. The breach did not expose users' most personal information, but by cross-referencing to other publicly available information, it was possible to find the users' users' names, first and last names, and the captions that they wrote for the photographs. But it's important to say that there wasn't sufficient information there for the hackers to actually directly access any of the users' social media accounts on other platforms. It has to be said as well that Theta 360 were very quick in acting once they discovered this breach. Uh, they only found out about the breach on May the 15th and on May the 16th the leak was closed so they reacted really really quickly and I think that's to be you know they should be congratulated for that so a little bit of history uh, Theta 360 is a photo sharing platform it's run by Rico the Japanese imaging electronics company and Rico are also an industry leader in the sales of 360 degree cameras in 2016, Rico sold at least 160,000 units. They expect to maintain their leader status for projected sales of a quarter of a million units in 2019. 
The hackers managed to access more than 11 million unencrypted posts from Theta360's database. They were able to view both the posts themselves and in identifying information about the poster. The exposed data included the user's name, the UUID, which was the universal unique identifier for each photo posted, the caption included on each post, and the privacy settings for each post. By inserting the UUID of the photos into another database, the hackers were able to access any exposed photos, and in some cases, easily connect the usernames in the database to usernames in other social media. It might not seem like a massive security breach to be able to find public photos, however, it's a huge invasion of privacy. And additionally, using the same method, the hackers were able to access photos from users' private profiles. Now, with the photos, Theta360's database obscured more sensitive data like location coordinates. However, Theta360 recognises that this was a major privacy breach that had a far-reaching impact if malicious actors had the opportunity to download the database. Many users who posted photos privately obscured personal or private information. For example, some parents choose to keep images of their children private, as they didn't want pictures of their children to be freely available on the internet. Other parents might feel that posting pictures of their children is an invasion of privacy. If you're a parent who's concerned about how data breaches may affect your children, then it's always worth thinking about exactly what you are posting onto social media and who you make sure has access to that. Posts like those uncovered in the Theta 360 breach could give a bad actor, i.e. a criminal, the information they need to steal someone's identity. They only need the date, the contents of the photo and the caption. Family privacy and identity theft are not the sole concerns. If we came through all 11 million posts, we could have uncovered illicit photos that were intended to remain private. Publicising illicit photos can have far-reaching consequences for the subjects involved. In some professions, this could cost the user their job, as was the case of a teacher whose naked picture was leaked. For others, leaked photos may share information about them having romantic affairs or even vacations that need to remain secret. Geotags in data can easily lead to more sensitive information about a user. And so, whilst it's great that Theta360 and Rico acted really, really quickly to say they closed down this data breach within 24 hours of it being reported, it's just goes to show on something that, on the face of it, can be quite innocent, can be a data breach which has quite serious ramifications and why any data breach is important and why you should always consult your data protection officer or your external data protection officer or a consultancy like ourselves if you're not sure whether a data breach is serious enough that it needs to be reported to the ICO or the equivalent in your country and we are more and more getting involved in advising companies and organisations in those scenarios and if you have that happened to you please do get in touch with us uh, all the details are on our website at www.insurity.co.uk and we'll be pleased to help you you're listening to the gdpr weekly show with your host keith budden and finally this week was a bit embarrassing for the dutch data protection authority Authority Personnel and I apologise to any of our listeners in the Netherlands if I didn't pronounce that 
anything you like to actually. But anyway, the Dutch Data Protection Authority had to confess that last month it made the same kind of boo-boo that many others have committed before by sending out an email with a long list of email addresses and you guessed it if you're a regular listener to the GDPR Weekly Show. A long list of email addresses listed for all to see in the CC rather than hidden away via the BCC field in the email. It actually got worse for the Dutch Data Protection Authority because the email which exposed email addresses of 38 journalists and editors on was ironically part of a campaign designed to raise awareness of Europe's GDPR data protection legislation. The uh, subject line of the email, what does the Privacy Act mean to you? It's hardly the biggest data breach the world's ever seen, <laughs> but the fact that it was caused by the Dutch ICO Policing, uh, you know, promoting their own activities uh, inevitably raised some eyebrows. The journalists involved quickly asked whether the data protection agency would be reporting itself to, uh, well, itself, which they did. Um, but they didn't even quite get that right because they just missed the 72 hour deadline. Um, <laughs> because they should have reported it by 7.46 in the morning and they didn't actually report it until 10.22. So, again, I mean, relatively minor and everyone now can have a good chuckle about it, but it's, I think it's ironic that they not only um, managed to breach the regulations themselves, but actually they didn't manage to breach reporting yet. I suppose all we can say to them is full marks for the transparency, but it would probably have been better if they hadn't been quite so transparent with the individual's data in the first place. But anyway, a slightly light-hearted um, item to end this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. You can find out more about us and Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember, keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.